to Known Unknowns. The podcast. Your good podcast. Your favorite podcast, probably. A number one podcast, top of the list, uh, top of the pops. The pops. I'm Carly Davis. I'm Harry Sullivan. And, well, well, you know what it is because we already said it. We're coming at you live. Coming at you live. Kind of. Yeah. No, not live at all. (laughs) I'm going to say live. We're coming at you live. We are alive and we're coming at you. Yeah. We're alive. Coming at you alive. Yeah. Cool. Um, Have anything for this week, Harry? Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll just like talk about myself this episode. Um, You know, I worked today and it was just really stressful. Mm. And um, no, they don't want to hear this. Oh, okay. Uh, What about a little bit of uh, elections coverage? Yeah. Harry has a uh, I don't know what he has. He didn't tell me. Which is probably unsafe, but he doesn't really <laughs> tell me anything he's going to do. Yeah, well, he's got some uh, politics, po- politics, pro- we're in pro- the prologue, politics prologue. <laughs> we have the politics prologue, everyone. Oh, yeah. well, I don't know uh, what a good, politi- we have the politics pocket, everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The politics, politics pocket. Patch. The, po- the politics pouch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're going to lose listeners just because of the politics part. But it's fine. That's all right. It's okay. We don't want them anyway. All right. Well, maybe we do. Who's you this about? Um, just, just, who is this about? Uh, it's about uh, Elizabeth Warren. Okay. I'm going to, well, okay. So don't we're, be so too we're... mean. Um Okay. Uh, we're a little uh, we're 3 weeks away from the Iowa caucuses. And the Democratic primary is heating up. What? No, I'm listening. <laughs> Did I say anything? I'm no, trying you to be less your negative. Eyes. Okay, I'm trying to be less vocally negative <laughs> about your content. Which means it's a perfect time for a known unknowns 2020 election update. A uh, a known unknowns politics podcast, pouch. Politics pouch. <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to, we want yeah. to establish that. Okay, yeah. So we, we talk about all sorts of conspiracies, urban legends, myths on this podcast, things that lie in the sort of liminal space in between fact and fiction, where half-truths and uncertainties reign. Um, but, you know, something else that relates to that is, uh, well, you know, I want to take a moment to talk about hard truths for, for a moment <laughs> and debunk a popular myth. That's going around. Okay. With the lying fake news media has been reporting that Elizabeth Warren has taken over 100,000 selfies with supporters this campaign. Okay. That is simply not true. How many selfies has she given? Taken? Zero. Wrong. These are not selfies. No. Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines a selfie (laughs) as an image that includes oneself, often with another person or as part of a group, and is taken by oneself using a digital camera, especially for posting on social networks. According to Wikipedia, a selfie is a self-portrait digital photograph typically taken with a digital camera or smartphone, which may be held in the hand or supported by a selfie stick. From Urban Dictionary, selfies are a style of photography wherein, one, the photographer's own face is included in the photograph, two, and the camera is held by the photographer when the photo is taken. 
So a selfie is when you take a picture of yourself. Elizabeth Warren is not taking selfies. She is not taking these photos of herself, and the supporters who stand with her in line for hours to get a photo with her aren't touching the phone or camera either. No one in these photos is t is taking the photo, so they are not selfies. Um, what are they? All, all of these so-called selfies are being taken by a third party. The Warren campaign is so shameless, they hardly make an, an effort to hide this fact. On January 4th, 2020, the official verified Team Warren Twitter account posted a video called Anatomy of a Selfie Line, in which it highlighted the process the process for one of these pictures to be made. The ones that they're counting as the 100,000 yeah. selfies. <laughs> okay. Uh, in the video, the senator is standing on a raised stage in front of an American flag backdrop with a single file line of people coming up to meet her from camera left. When it's their turn, a voter steps up to the stage and, uh, wait, <laughs> st stage, and their f cell phone is taken from them by a campaign staffer. The video pauses here to highlight the phone handoff. The voter proceeds across the stage to meet the candidate at the same time that the phone is handed to another aide who then takes the selfie. The video again highlights this as step three, your hashtag Warren selfie happens. Mind you, no part of this aide appears in the photo whatsoever. The phone is passed to a third staffer near the steps leading down from the stage for step four, the phone return. The fact that this step, that this fourth step exists belies the whole notion of these selfies because there should be no reason after taking a selfie for the subject of the selfie's phone to be returned to them by somebody else who is not in the selfie. Warren has made these portraits a central part of her campaign's branding. But words have meanings, and she doesn't call them portraits, she calls them selfies. If she is willing to contort the meaning of this word, if she is willing to bend the truth to support her image, if Elizabeth Warren is willing to lie about selfies, what else is she lying about? Oh, like, that was the most heated I think I've ever heard you. They're not selfies, okay? Yeah. Okay, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's fact, really. Yeah. They this aren't is... selfies. Why do they call them selfies then? That because is kind of weird. This, well, I mean, because her, you know, image, like for the campaign, is she's like a kooky, fun mom kind of person. Well, right. She but... likes taking selfies with people. Well, that's people. not a selfie. She likes to dance. Yeah, I know, but she like... likes to dance. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You can't. No one. No one cares about just getting like. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a, they want to appeal to like millennials or young people because. Well, you're not if you don't get millennial talk, right? Well, yeah, exactly. All right. Anyway. Is that the end of politics pouch? Or yeah, that's you... the end of the politics pouch. I mean, I thought it was interesting. I just don't have anything to say to that, you know? Mm -hmm. I think I made my point. You did make a point. A good one. Mm -hmm. What you mm -hmm. sipping on there, Carly? Mm-hmm. It's uh, some black tea with, it's iced tea, black tea with uh, lemon LaCroix in it. Yum. Is it good? Yeah. I've been drinking that a lot lately. Well, yeah, because it tastes really good and I don't have to add sugar to make it taste good. <laughs> I'm trying, I used to drink like 10 sugar filled, dairy filled drinks every day. Uh -huh. So now I'm just trying tea and LaCroix. So it's mm -hmm. 
zero calories and zero sugar. I mean, it sounds good. It is good. It just, I mean, it tastes like tea with lemonade in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and so. it's like sparkling and I like that. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that's what I, oh, and I'm drinking it out of a cup that I made that says it's weird out there. Yeah, I know. It's it's cute. I like it. Yeah. I posted a picture of it on Instagram, so you probably saw it mm-hmm. on our story. It's really cute. <laughs> It is. I like it. I like crafting. I'm <laughs> just saying. I'm drinking hot chocolate with Jägermeister. Wow. Mm-hmm. Jägermeister. Ich bin der Jägermeister. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know German at all. I don't know if I said that right. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, we know. Um, hmm. So, do we want to get started, or do you have any other announcements? I don't think I have anything else right now that I, I can think. think of. I'll bring it. I'll interject later if something pops into my head. Yeah. How long is your story this week? I'm trying to think of how much time we should fill at the beginning and end. <laughs> is yours pretty short? No, I wouldn't oh, okay. say so. I think mine's average length. Yeah, I think mine's also average length. Maybe on the long side. Okay. But average length. Cool. I can. I can pad or uh, omit things from my story. Nah, they want to listen to us. I'm just saying. Yeah, you're right. These people can never get enough. Yeah. You're right. Um, So, ready? Yeah. You ready for my story? Yeah, I want to hear what you have. Okay. So, I guess, what's this um, kind of a conspiracy corner, but also heavy UFO? Okay. Topic, which we don't have. I don't remember if we made up a song for UFO. We didn't. Or a, a drop or we whatever. We have not. Because, um, I mean, it's, I mean, everything, all of the things we talk about, I guess, are kind of a conspiracy in a way. I this guess. is a conspiracy. It's okay. a conspiracy, but, I mean, it's also very heavily so, uh, UFO-based conspiracy. So I'm okay. going to say it's also it's a UFO ufology. Conspiracy. Okay. In that realm, you know? Okay. Conspiracy so, corner. No, how, no. How, I don't remember conspiracy what. Conspiracy corner. Okay. And then, slash UFOs. But that's slash true crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, UFO. Uh, UFO yurt. Yeah, okay. Um, UFO. Welcome to the UFO yurt. Cool. (laughs) We'll think of a better UFO something. Okay. Uh... (laughs) No, I I got nothing. All right. We'll we'll, we'll brainstorm later off off mic. I was was thinking of something off Uptown Funk, but that doesn't work. Um, But... And then I was thinking of the CeeLo Green F.U. song, but I got nothing right now. Okay. Come back to that. All right. Well, today I am talking about the Men in Black. The movie? No. Oh. Not the movie. Oh. The real life Men in Black. Hmm. So this. So is... you're talking about Will Smith and uh, the actors in, in the movie. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> okay. No. Oh, no. No. Men in Black. Okay. They uh, are... Well, I don't think I've ever seen a Men in Black movie. 
I saw the first. Is it based one. on Men in Black? Yeah. Uh huh. But oh. yeah, I saw the first one when I, I was. I think I've seen I one. I like rented the first one when I was little. I went and saw and one then in I theaters. I saw the third one in theaters when I was in high school. Then maybe I saw the third one. I don't think I ever saw the second one, unless it was the second one that I rented when I was a kid. And I've never seen the first one, but I'm pretty sure I saw the first one. I think my family dragged me to see one once. I'd probably be into it if I actually Maybe, paid yeah. attention. They're, they're fun movies. Yeah. Anyway, oh, okay. I'm going to talk about the real life Men in Black. Um, I don't know. I had never heard of these things until... Um, Maybe about a year ago, I always just thought it was a movie. I didn't know it was like <laughs> supposed to be kind of based on something that people think is real. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I I buy it to an extent. Okay. So let me get into it. So I should have wrote down. So, so men in black are like men who dress up in like a black suit black hat you know all that good stuff like you can picture one probably they wear all black and their purpose is to get people to keep their secrets or not share their um findings or secrets about ufos so people who see them usually have seen a ufo or have something to do with a ufo sighting or alien right okay so they will go and like stop them from sharing any information to keep them quiet okay yeah so that's what they are and i believe it to an extent i think there could be something like this out there okay like people who try to keep things hush hush because I don't know, we're weird about UFOs. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also, like, people think that they are also aliens themselves and supernatural beings. Mm-hmm. So I th- that's more of, like, what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Well, that's one of the stories, I should say, okay. that I'm talking about. So it's so I'll get into my favorite story about um, a encounter with the MIB, Ooh. Men in Black, MIB. Okay, ready? Yeah. All right, let me tell you a story. So, Dr. Herbert Hopkins, a 58- Dr. Herbert Hopkins, a 58-year-old doctor and hypnotist, was a consultant on an alleged UFO teleportation case in Maine. I don't know the case. I should have looked into it. Okay. One evening, when his wife and children had gone out, They left him alone in the house, and the telephone rang, and a man identifying himself as vice president of the New Jersey UFO Research Organization asked if he could visit Dr. Hopkins sometime that evening to discuss a couple details of the case he was working on. Uh, Hopkins agreed, uh, and he went back to, he went to, not back, he went to the back door to switch on the light, like the porch light, so that the visitor would be able to find his way from the parking lot to his door. Okay. But, and this was right after he got off the phone. He got off the phone, went to the back back door to switch on the light. Okay. When he went to switch on the light, uh-huh. um, he noticed that while he was, oh, he noticed that the man was already climbing his porch steps. <laughs> okay. 
Well, that's weird. He works quick. Quote, I saw no car, and even if he did have a car, he could not have possibly gotten to my house that quickly from any phone. This is like in the 50s or some shit. Hmm. So they didn't have cell phones. They had pay phones or something. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. it was in the 60s. I don't Ooh. know. Um, Hopkins later commented. So when the man, when he let the man in, he let the man into his home, okay. his dog... Hopkins' dog reacted differently. Uh, As the man entered, the dog barked and uncharacteristically hid in the closet with his tail between his legs. Sad. He wore a white shirt and white gloves, but his trousers, jacket, tie, shoes, and derby. I don't know what that means. It's a a hat. Okay, that's what I thought. Derby were all black. Mm -mm. Maybe this guy's a time traveler. That's who had the phone. Yeah. Okay. That actually kind of fit. Okay. So he appeared not to fill out his sleeves or trousers in the crease. <laughs> oh, Marie's a little kid. Oh, he's, a, he's, a, he's in he's, a trench coat. He's three time traveling kids. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And they're all like hanging out. Oh, that. Oh, this makes sense. Okay. This is going to keep making sense okay. for that theory. Okay. All right. Ready? Yeah. Okay, and the crease on his pants remained razor sharp even at the knees when he sat down. So, as he took off his hat, it became apparent that he didn't have any hair or eyebrows. Okay, he's an odd man, but... Yeah. His small nose and small ears were set low, his chin receded, and his face was deathly white. Except for ruby red lips. Ooh. I know. So during their conversation, <laughs> no, 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 this is funny. Wait, okay, wait, wait. okay, okay. During their conversation, he brushed the man, the weird man, yeah. brushed his lips with his white suede gloves. Ooh. Okay. And the doctor was astonished to see that his lips were smeared and the gloves were stained with red lipstick. <laughs> he's trying to. He's trying to seduce him. <laughs> eyebrows and he's bald and he's like pale and he has like a really small nose and ears and he has like bright red lips just like picture this yeah just because you're weird looking doesn't mean you can't smooch (laughs) i just think it's goofy that he has no hair but he has bright red lipstick on yeah i mean he can still try to look good i don't know (laughs) okay but yeah no i can see a little kid Who's like yeah. the top kid is like, uh, I gotta look like an adult. Adults are bald. Adults are bald and then I shave, gotta shave head. my head, accidentally get the eyebrows too. Accidentally, yeah, obviously. Or, and you know, he's little, like, yeah. I'm little know. and like adults will also wear lipstick. Adults also wear lipstick. I've seen mommy do that. I've so seen mommy do that. Smear that on. Maybe daddy. Maybe. Hey, I mean, daddy can do whatever he wants. Yeah, whatever. I mean,. Yeah, I just think that's a funny, like, sight, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, oh, uh, speaking of, no, okay. Does Cory Booker have eyebrows? Just, like, tell me your instinct. No. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, mean, I was thinking about this the other day. No. I was just like. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he I does, like, but now that I think about it, no. But you can't picture them, He's can you? He's a man in black. <laughs> He's bald and has no eyebrows. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Okay. Ready? Yeah. So it was only afterwards that Dr. Hopkins reflected further on the strangeness of his visitor's appearance and behavior. (laughs) 
Rude. I know. Uh, apparently satisfied with the information gathered from Hopkins, the man in black changed the subject. Okay. okay. So he informed Hopkins that there were two coins in Hopkins' pocket. Creepy. Which was correct. Ooh. Yeah. And so the man in black asked uh, Hopkins to remove one of the coins. Mm. Hopkins did it and held the coin. It was a shiny new penny. <laughs> okay. It was in the palm of his hand. I'm just letting you guys like picture it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the man in black told Hopkins to watch the coin closely. After a few moments, the coin took on a silvery appearance. Now, remember, this is a penny, so it's not right, silver. Right, it's not supposed to be silvery. No. And then appeared to be going out of focus, like waving. Weird. Like the penny itself? Yeah, the penny. Like not the not the image on the penny, but like the penny itself. No, like the, the whole, whole penny. Thing. The wow. whole penny. Mm. Other stuff that I read, it said it went from like the copper color to silver to a bright blue, and then it started to like wave in and out. Mm. Um, and then it began to fade and eventually disappeared. <laughs> the man in black informed Hopkins that the coin would never be seen on this plane again. <laughs> yeah, I think that's okay. kind of goofy. Uh, then he asked Hopkins if Hopkins was familiar, ready, with the alleged UFO abductee Barney Hill. Remember when we talked about him? I think so, yeah. He, Barney he and his, Betty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The okay, wife yeah, yeah, that's and what the, I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Hopkins replied that he had heard of Hill, but was under the impression that he had died recently because he had just recently passed away right. during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the MIB informed Hopkins that was correct. Quote, Barney didn't have a heart. End quote. Oh, okay. <laughs> said the man in black. Just like you no longer have a coin. So he, <laughs> they teleported so his the heart co- out of his body? Yeah, I guess. Barney didn't have a heart, just like you no longer have a coin. <laughs> okay. I think that's what, I just laughed when I, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. Uh, so it should be noted that Barney Hill was act- actually died of a cerebral hemorrhage. Okay. Not so like a heart attack or anything. Or, yeah. Right. So the MIB then gently suggested that Hopkins destroy any material he had related to the case he was working on. Remember that case he was working on? Yeah, the UFO teleportation thing. Yeah, the Stevens mm. case. Okay. That's what it was called. At this point, okay, this is where it gets whack. Okay. Not that it's not already kind of whack, but uh, yeah. Okay, so what So happens? at this point, his the man in black's speech started to slow down. Oh. Rising slowly and unsteadily to his feet, he said very slowly, quote, My energy is running low. Must go now. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> My energy is running low. Must go now. Goodbye. Oh, man. That's how you leave a party. (laughs) Okay. So clinging to the railing, he climbed down the porch steps. First Uh one foot on a step, then bringing the other down next to it. You know, like a a little child would. (laughs) Rather than going one foot after the other like a normal human being. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. Dr. Hopkins saw a bright light shining up the driveway, brighter than an automobile headlight and bluish-white in color, Mm -hmm. although no light had been present when he had arrived. 
Rushing to the kitchen window, the doctor looked out to watch him, but the light was gone. He ran out onto the front porch but saw no car leaving. Not only that, but the stranger walked in the opposite direction from the way he had arrived. Ooh, sorry, hang on. Excuse me, I had to burp. Um, Bless you. Not towards the driveway, but towards a hedge. <laughs> the right. doctor went out to the front porch to watch for him, but he never turned back up. Huh. Not surprisingly, the doctor was so scared that he willingly complied with the Men in Black's instructions to destroy all the evidence of the Stevens case. Uh, okay. So Hopkins sat down at the kitchen table to digest what he had just experienced. But before doing so, he pulled his revolver out of the drawer just to be on the safe side. It didn't take him long to decide what he had to do. He went into the other room, gathered all the material from the Stevens case, demagnetized the tapes, cut them up, and then, for good measure, burned them along with some other documents related to the case. Subsequently... Curious incidents continued to occur both in Dr. Hopkins' household and his eldest son's. He presumed that there was some link with the visit, but he never heard from his visitor again. As for the New Jersey UFO Research Organization, (gasps) no such institution exists. (gasps) (gasps) Dun, dun, dun! (laughs) Wow. Not long after, Hopkins began experiencing trouble with his own telephone. He often picked it up to find the line dead or filled with static, and his patients began to complain that when they called, he either didn't answer his phone or that they would get a voice falsely claiming that his number was out of service. Mm. On those occasions, when a connection was successfully made, It was often mysteriously broken in the middle of a conversation. Mm. The local phone company determined that the Hopkins line was definitely being tampered with, but there was, but were at a loss to explain how or by whom. Hmm. Interesting. So, the concrete nature of the phenomenon was accepted by the United States Air Force. Hmm. Uh, who were concerned that persons passing themselves off as USAF personnel should be vi- would be or should be visiting UFO witnesses. In February 1967, Colonel George P. Freeman, Pentagon spokesperson for the USAF's Project Blue Book, told UFO investigator John Keel in the course of an interview, "Quote." Mysterious men dressed in Air Force uniforms are bearing impressive credentials from government agencies uh, have been silencing UFO witnesses. We have checked a number of these cases, and these men are not connected with the Air Force in any way. We haven't been able to find out anything about these men. By posing as Air Force officers and government agents, they are committing a federal offense. We would sure like to catch one. Unfortunately, the trail is always too cold by the time we hear about these cases, but we are still trying. Hmm. So, hmm. there are people going around and visiting UFO people. Interesting. I guess. Hmm. Or the Air Force took it seriously. Right. I guess. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I I just think that story is creepy because it's like, Someone came to your house, even if he 
kind of lied about some of the weird details. Like someone came to his house and asked him to destroy all the evidence of this case. And then he did. That's weird. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. So, I yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I think. I mean, I don't. I don't think that this person who came was an alien or I don't and no. I don't think that he was actually onto any like UFO kind of thing. I don't buy that these people are aliens, I don't necessarily... but I do buy that there are people who come around and say like, "Hey, get rid of that." Like threaten people. I do, yeah. I mean, I don't and I would I'm like hesitant to say I believe any particular story, but I can buy that like when people like accidentally witness you know something secret that like some like spy plane test or something that there are people who might want to like check in and like you know see what people know yeah and like no i agree i i feel like that would be maybe it's not i mean it might not be alien related but like ufo is just any unidentified flying object you know right yeah so they witnessed something that they probably weren't supposed to yeah. So they just want to know what they think it is or like, mm-hmm. or make them even believe that it could be aliens. Right. Because I mean, like. Crazy. Or, no one's going to believe that. Yeah, exactly. But I that's mean, way I, safer I definitely for people to believe. buy that like, you, you know, secret, you know, CIA or like other like secret government stuff would like. I think s- Area promote, 51 wants us to think that aliens are there. Yeah, it would like promote like, yeah, crazy conspiracy theories to like. What's um, actually to happening? muddy the waters, yeah, and to like make anything that anyone says about anything less credible. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, so here's a story update, but um, about like an update, a little update to this story, kind of. Um, okay, so all this happened in like the fifties or sixties. Oh, I guess no. Oh, seventy six. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was 76 originally. Got 76. it. 76. Um, so, kind of an update. This happened a few days after. It's okay. not an update. It's just an oh, extra okay. part of the story, I okay. guess. But this story, mm, I just think it's goofy. I don't think it's real whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, no. The second I, part. Oh, okay. The I think the part. first part could be the real. Sec- he just lied a little bit. The first part, I think, also could just be some, like, really really smart kids doing the best prank ever yeah or people could just be pulling a prank right like oh this this crazy like old this, professor thinks he's like and he does like researching and he's doing ufo, UFO stuff like, uh, let's go mess with him and like make him think he's talking to him. i just picture like this child in a big suit coming and then they try to do like this magic trick and they're like now the penny's gone you know <laughs> like it's not that cool it's like this yeah. professor guy was just really drunk and like <laughs> this, this kid came up with this penny and it's like now you see it no you don't <laughs> just like his heart oh like it's not clever okay. yeah okay ready uh-huh so prepare yourself for okay. this one it's a little confusing and whack okay on the 24th of September, 1976, a few days after Dr. Herbert Hopkins' terrifying visit from a man in black, yeah. his daughter-in-law, Maureen, received a telephone call from a man who claimed to know her husband, John, which would be his the doctor's son, Okay. who asked if he had a companion, if he and a companion could come 
visit her and John. Okay, so asking if the doctor and a companion could no. come. Oh wait, asking if like this oh, random the, man oh, the, that the called the was phone like, "Hey, was can asking. I come? Can me and a companion come right. to your house?" Uh huh. Okay, I got it. Okay. Um. So you know, John met with the man because okay. Maureen was like, "No." Mm-mm. John though met with the man at a local fast food restaurant and brought him home with his companion. A woman. So John brought home this these two strangers. Okay. Both appeared to be in their mid thirties and wore curiously old fashioned clothes. Interesting. The woman looked particularly odd when she stood up. It seemed that there was something wrong with the way that her legs joined her hips. <laughs> oh, okay. Both strangers walked with very short steps, leaning forward as though frightened of falling. <laughs> They sat awkwardly together on the sofa while the man asked the the stranger man, not right. John. The man asked a number of detailed personal questions like did John and Maureen watch uh Maureen watch television much? Uh what did the two of them read? And what did they talk about? Okay. <laughs> All the while the man was pawing and fondling his female companion. Asking okay. John if this was all right and whether he was doing it correctly. <laughs> so you invite these two strangers into yeah. your house, and this man is just fondling the woman next to him and going, "Am I doing this right?" <laughs> They're not like the world's like least smooth swingers of all time, or something. Yeah, honestly. So John uh, left the room for a second. <laughs> Because that's creepy. Right. Uh, And the man tried to persuade Maureen to sit next to him. So Maureen was home, too, witnessing this. And the the creepy man fondling the woman next to him was like, hey, Maureen, Uh you want to get over here? I think they might have just been swingers. Yeah, I think they're just weird (laughs) UFO swingers. Yeah. Like, I've heard about this person. Maybe they, like, saw a picture in the newspaper and, like, they're hot. Uh, He also asked her... Uh, how she was made. This random man was like, so Maureen, how are you made? And trying to... do you have any nude photographs of yourself? Okay, yeah. They definitely just want to sleep with the, these people. Yeah. Shortly afterwards, the woman companion uh-huh. stood up and announced that she wanted to leave. The man also stood, but made no move to go. <laughs> he was between the woman and the door. And it seemed that the only way she could get to the door was by walking in a straight line directly through him. Okay. Finally, the woman turned to John and asked, Please move him. I can't move him myself. I want to leave. (laughs) Then, suddenly, the man left, followed by the woman, both walking in straight lines, and they did not say goodbye. Okay, yeah, um... Like, weird story. That's just goofy. <laughs> yeah. I want to believe that that one happened. Right. <laughs> because I mean, that's funny. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why they would lie about that. But also, why would you just... Some random stranger calls and is like, Hey, I know your husband. Do you want to meet up at this restaurant with us? And then right. they invite them back to their house and they're like... Yeah. Touching each other. <laughs> Am I Very doing strange. this right? Do you have any nudes? Like, what? <laughs> And they think this is connected to the first visit. Uh-huh. I mean... I don't mean it to 
It could well, they be... think it's like, you know, alien creatures visiting right. them or like robots. Yeah. And I'm like, no. no I just... think you guys just might be into some weird shit as a family and right. really, really got yourself caught up in a weird web of people. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. That's so what I'm thinking. That story, like that whole story that I just told, is one of my favorite Men in Black stories because it's weird. Yeah. It's just good. goofy, you mm-hmm. know? So the second big one that I'm going to talk about is about Dan Aykroyd. Oh, okay. You know Dan Aykroyd? Wasn't yeah. he in Ghostbusters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Dan Aykroyd claims to um, have seen the Men in Black. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah of course he does. <laughs> He's a big UFO believer, mm-hmm. if yeah. you didn't know. So... Dan Aykroyd has never been shy about his intense interest in UFOs. See, I'm trying this more like narration type thing. Okay. And this seems to be a fascination that reaches all the way back into his childhood. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So the actor first uh, was first uh, interested in the phenomenon when he saw a photo of mysterious lights over Capitol Hill from all the way back in 1952. This was an incident in which fighter planes had apparently been, like, scrambled to chase the fast-moving objects off. Do you remember this? I don't know if you remember watching, like, a story about this with me. Maybe. This interest was only uh, strengthened when he saw the classic sci-fi film, The Day the Earth Stood Still, which he saw as a perfectly plausible scenario. Scenario? I don't know. Ackroyd would have his... The first of his own many close encounters with UFOs in the mid-1980s in upstate New York. Aykroyd claims that he woke up in the middle of the night in a panic and told his wife, quote, They are calling me. I want to go outside. End quote. That's how I picture it happening. I don't know if he's like, if he woke up and then they're like, they're calling me. I need to go outside. Like, I, I just picture it. They are calling me. I need to go outside. (laughs) You know how creeped out I would be if you just slowly rose up in bed and you're like, they're calling me. (laughs) I must go. I would freak out. My people need me. My people need me. Um, So he claimed that he had an irresistible irresistible compulsion to go outside and he credit, which he credits to voices in his head compelling him to do so. Dan honey <laughs> maybe you should go get that checked out right by a psychiatrist <laughs> is that where you would go a psychiatrist probably um when he did go outside as instructed by the voices in his head uh-huh. he reported that he had seen a pink spiral over the great lakes area mm. and it would turn out that others had had the same urge to go outside at the same time and had seen the same thing. So other people had reported having a strange urge to go outside and look up. Ah. And they all saw the same pink like spiral over the lake. Mm-hmm. Weird. Interesting. I mean, I think that's kind of creepy, but... Uh, Ackroyd would go on to become a fairly hardcore proponent of UFOs, and he would eventually make a documentary on his interests called Dan Ackroyd Unplugged on UFOs in 2005 and when he served for several years as the official hollywood representative for the mutual ufo network or m-u-f-o-n do they say mufon <laughs> they i'm gonna should. call it mufon 
or MUFON. No, I like MUFON. Yeah, MUFON's better. Um, and he was, and he has accrued a vast knowledge of UFO research and lore over the years that would put most u- ufologists to shame. Oh. Do you like the top part of the MUFON or the bottom part of the MUFON better? What? Nothing. <laughs> I'm confused. Was that supposed? To, I'm sure other people might be laughing at this. Probably I don't not. get it. <laughs> like muffin. Like... Oh, like muffin. That's funny. <laughs> no, it isn't. Kind <laughs> of goofy. Um, although Ackroyd takes his research very seriously and can seemingly talk about it nonstop, he is still known to go off the deep end from time to time. <laughs> to the point that even of avid UFO fans might take pause. Mm-hmm. But which, although fr- uh, that uh, although fringe, nevertheless seems just as well thought out as any other theories out there. What? I don't know. I don't. Th- that sentence didn't make sense. <sighs> when asked about why he thinks UFOs are here, he said, "Quote now, hang on, wait one second. End quote. Don't. Uh, <laughs> no quote. No quote is happening right now. Okay. Uh, this was a really long quote." So I tried to pick out the best part. Okay. Anyway, it's still pretty long, so stick in there. I will. Hang in there, I guess. So, quote, there's an old theory that humankind and this planet were seen as the center of the universe. That was thrown away. How could we be so presumptuous? Well, I subscribe to that. I think we are the center of the universe, and that that is why they're coming. They're visiting because this is the planet they that produced Picasso, the atom bomb, penicillin. There are so many advances in science, art, and culture. They have technology better than ours, but they didn't paint like Renoir. 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 They, did, they don't dance like Mick Jagger. They don't write like Samuel Johnson or William Faulkner. They are envious of us. We have the most beautiful planet. End quote. Uh, okay. So kind of weird. Yeah. Okay. He's a weird guy. Yeah, well, I kind of like him. Oh, okay. So uh, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so what does this have to do with the men in black, you Yeah. Ask? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what this is about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So here it comes. So out of all of this, one of Aykroyd's most bizarre tales is an incident in which he says he was confronted by the men in black. As he was talking to the singer Britney Spears, just before the cancellation of his TV show Out There, Aykroyd claims that he stepped outside of the studio to take a call from Britney Spears. Britney had called him to ask him to appear on Aykroyd's old show Saturday Saturday Night Live with her, and and as he talked, he says he noticed a mysterious black car pull up on a nearby street. Mm-hmm. Out of the car purportedly stepped a very tall, pale man in a black suit who gave him a dirty look before getting back into the vehicle and driving off. Oddly, the producers of the show Aykroyd was filming shortly after were told to stop shooting a show they were making about UFOs, specifically one in which they had been interviewing Dr. Stephen Greer of the Disclosure Project, who was about to spill tons of testimony of UFO witnesses and supposed insider information. The show never made it to air. Oh, Dan Aykroyd's sci-fi half-hour show on the Sci-Fi Network was uh, getting too close to the truth. 
Yeah, probably. Probably. I don't know. If anyone I could, he could. I mean, his like original script for Ghostbusters was like was something like three hundred pages long. Did he write it? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it was oh. his, his concept at least. He, oh shoot, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Wow. Um, so just two short little uh Men in Black stories for you to end here, just because. There's a lot of them, and I wanted to add a couple more that were maybe yeah. a little more realistic. Okay, let's hear <laughs> um, it. So they're, they're short. In 1947, Harold Dahl reported seeing a group of UFOs while he was on a boat in Washington Puget Sound. Uh, soon after, he said that he, that he was approached by a black-suited individual who threatened him and his family if he ever talked again about the UFO sighting. In 1976, Robert Richardson was driving his car at night in Toledo, Ohio, when he hit something, which he claimed then vanished. He mm. found a piece of metal that he believed originated from the mysterious thing he hit. A few days later, two men wearing black hats and sunglasses and driving a black 1953 Cadillac <laughs> visited Richardson at his home at 11 p.m. to ask him questions about the incident. Uh, so they're not detectives investigating the hit and run that he uh committed a week later <laughs> the two other uh a week later two other men arrived oh. dressed in black suits and asked richardson to turn over the metal to them the part of that bike that you hit please can we have that <laughs> <laughs> when he informed that he had sent it already for analysis oh. they threatened to harm his wife if he didn't get it back oh he never heard from them again. I don't. I, they must have. I don't know why they showed up. I, <laughs> I guess they found out that he actually the, turned it in, or the, maybe he. I don't know. The don't bicyclist know. who he hit was in the mob, and they were there to uh, do their own investigation. I and, think uh, <laughs> I was hit by a car because of a mob incident. You know this. Yeah. Or was it? What did I say? Yeah, it was a mob hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a story for another day. <clears throat> I'm into some dark stuff. Man. Um, yeah, okay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I do think it was a mob hit. <laughs> okay. You know I'm convinced. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's why this uh, case is taking so long. My lawyer's going to die. If he gets shot, then I know it's a mob hit. <laughs> if he gets shot for investigating this. Anyway... There's some good, there's some other really good Men in Black stories that you should read up on because they're really good. Okay. And they're really interesting. There's actually a video of two of them that walk into a hotel. It's from like 2011 or something. Mm -hmm. And they, like these two men and they are dressed exactly like, like in black hats and long black suits. And they okay. come in and they, they were looking for someone to ask them about like a UFO sighting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they caught them on the security camera, like walking in. So okay. it's not that cool. But okay. and then there was there's another one of this couple who saw a UFO and then the next few days this man in black dressed in like the black suit in a black car mm -hmm. just like stood outside of their apartment building and just stared into their window for like three or four days. Hmm. So they called the police mm -hmm. and they were like, This dude is like stalking us and they took a couple pictures of the guy across the street. Mm -hmm. And so you can see that. Right. And it's like this man in a black hat, black suit. Mm -hmm. everything I, so. I mean there are like there, there are a bunch of like 
you know, rich guys who are just into like UFO stuff and things like I'm thinking like could like one of them like have like people who he sends out to investigate ufo stuff probably it's probably because some look like just like how the air force didn't know what was going on but people were like saying that they were in the air force ufo stuff to like talk to so they could Mm -hmm. get interviews with people kind of thing like talk to people i'm sure it's just some i mean it might not even be a government organization i mean it could be but it might just be randos who are like hey we know you hit a UFO or some shit. I don't know right. how they find out. Or just like. That they. You had, know. That or. They think they saw a UFO or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think it's very possible that these were real. Like, you know. I mean, I don't think it's part of a. The like. I don't know. The. I'm convinced. I'm pretty convinced that there are like men in black. Like a. A, a type of men in black well, you know? sure i can i can kind of see that like a in version some of it cases i don't think yeah. they're aliens but i i wouldn't doubt that there's a group who try to well, keep things hush, yeah hush. they're definitely not literal men in black because in 2019 that would stand out wherever they are <laughs> you're Maybe. gonna if you just see i, I mean know. that's why it was weird in the video from like 2011 yeah, exactly. or something that two it's men in like, yeah, like it's weird long in black suits and hats it's a lot less weird in like 1950 whatever to have like a dude in a suit just like walking up somewhere mm-hmm. it's a lot i i definitely when i see someone wear wearing like a clothes. black suit black I tie sus- and I like think a black they're suspicious. hat yeah exactly mm-hmm. there's like um but like also a lot of these stories apparently don't come out because uh, pretty much of every scenario uh-huh. or every like kind of report of this they always threaten them to not tell uh, anyone that they were there so the so the very fact that we don't know anything about the men in black means that they're real yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so yeah I don't know. Like, okay. I don't know. I, it's so an interesting I could see topic. Read up on there it. being agents who sometimes will investigate whether um, people know things they don't want them to know. Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of like, UFO but it's always sightings. related to UFO sightings. Yeah, or I UFO mean, related stuff. And but yeah. Independent of that, I can also see, like, the most I could buy is that, like, a, like, you know, billionaire, like, casino owner or something has, like, a team of guys in black suits or whoever who he, like, sends out to, like, get information from people who cite UFOs because he just wants to know stuff and, and because, I don't know. He doesn't trust them to just tell anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think they're interesting. But, uh, yeah, that's just me. So, uh, we should probably move on to your topic. Yeah, probably. Do you have any last thoughts on the men in black? Uh, I don't think so. I'm I'm still sticking with time travelers and or time traveling kids in a trench coat. Yeah, if you think about it, the first one really meant, like, time traveling that's why they didn't have like a car they just like teleport like you know teleportation <laughs> and right. they were like that's why they had the magic to use the coin thing mm-hmm. and uh they knew the f- i don't know makes sense to me yeah so what are you doing this week 
I'm talking about the Wendigo. Come take a seat on the creature couch. Doodaloo. <laughs> All right. Um. I get to sit back and Yeah, relax. you get to sit back and relax. Enjoy. Enjoy a good old story. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> During the winter months in what used to be Algonquian lands, there is a beast that roams the wilderness. It patrols its territory day and night, ravenously hunting after human flesh. It goes by many names, most famously Wendigo, but also Windigo, Windigo, Ouijigo, Wentico, Witsigo, and Wittigo. Wittigo. There are just as many names for it as there are rumors and legends telling what it, what it looks like and even what exactly it is. Um, it's large, some say twice the size of a man, some say 15 feet tall, some say it's as big as a tree. Oh, some wow. say it's made entirely out of ice. Some like a baby tree or like a big, like a big, big tree. boy tree? Like a big boy tree. Okay. Some say it's uh, made entirely out of ice. Some say its heart is ice. <laughs> and to kill it, the this heart is... must be melted over a fire. Oh my god. It has, it has deep sunken eyes, which are rumored to glow. Its ash gray skin is pulled tight over its skeleton. Some legends say it looks like a very large, emaciated man. Some just say it has a few man-like features, or rather corpse-like features. Uh, its mouth is filled with razor-sharp teeth behind tattered, bloody lips. Ooh, yeah, and when it, it doesn't have the head of a man, it has one similar to a deer's, with teeth, with teeth like a wolf's and long, pointed antlers or horns. Yes. It leaves blood-filled footprints wherever it walks, and it reeks of death and decay. Ew. Yeah, this is weird. Gross. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Wendigo translates as uh, the evil spirit that devours mankind. Some say that a Wendigo is created when, whenever somebody consumes the flesh of another human being. Interesting. Some say that the Wendigo will enter the body of a person and transform them physically into a monster. Wait. Some say that the transformation I... only takes place internally. What? I said wait. Sorry. I was um, finishing my thought. Only internally? Like it just it just like possesses you and you still oh, look frick. the same. Oh, that's creepy. Um, I always pictured the Wendigo as like an, an abominable snowman. I can't say the word. Like from the Rudolph uh, yeah. thing? Yeah. That's oh, how yeah. I always pictured Wendigo. <laughs> that's that's not how it uh, or a yeti. Mm-hmm. I pictured it looking like a yeti. No, it's so a I'm lot. very confused. So it either looks a lot like a person, just like really big and really thin, or it looks like sort of like a cross between like a deer and a person and a wolf. Mm-mm. No, sir. No. <laughs> then, but still, like really like emaciated with like like flesh wounds and stuff and uh very gross looking not a yeti no not not yeti looking all right well not abominable snowman dang it um let's see uh so the algonquian language family was spoken by peoples covering the majority of what is now canada and the northeastern united states the northern midwest states and the northern plains states of the u.s um, in all of these areas, there are indigenous nations with legends of the Wendigo. 
Um, the Ojibwe have a story about a small village um, where one winter day the wind turns icy cold, so and they uh, know that this means that a Wendigo is approaching. Oh! Uh, the wise old grandmother who lives on the edge of town said Ooh. that she could do nothing to stop it. Um, well, but, yeah, a wise old grandmother can't stop a big <laughs> Wendigo. Why would you think that? Yeah, but while the people of the village were crying and panicking over their impending deaths, uh, one little girl <laughs> went out and found two large sumac sticks, as long and as big as her arms. Uh, that night, the wind picked up again and grew colder still. As the Wendigo came over the hill, tall as a white pine, trees burst open from the cold and the river flows f- froze solid. Uh, the girl took her sticks and began running toward the Wendigo, and as she did, she grew until she was as tall as the monster. The sumac sticks turned to copper in her hands, and with oh one God. she knocked the Wendigo down, and, we, uh, and with the other she crushed, she crushed its skull. Is this um, due to the wise old grandma? Did I she guess. help? I'm not. A, she was a witch. So I don't know exactly why this happens. Okay. <laughs> why she suddenly grows? I'm very confused huge. about why she grew. Yeah, well, anyway, the people of the village come out of hiding then, and, like, they cut the Wendigo into pieces, and they find that it's made... Eat it! Well, no, no, it's, it's made out of ice, oh. totally. Except for in the center, in the middle of it, there's a, in, a man encased in the center of the monster, fully encased in ice with his head smashed in. Ew. Yeah, very weird. <laughs> uh, in another story, a man hunting during a break in a snowstorm to feed his starving family Aww. finds the wo- finds the woods eerily empty. Uh, he's as he's hunting, he's attacked by a wendigo, but he's able to kill it. After it falls, the wendigo's body disappears into mist before his eyes, Ooh. leaving only the stains from its blood on the snow. On his way home from killing the wendigo, he finds uh, as he's leaving the forest a, a sleep. A big, like, fat red fox that he is easily able to kill as if it was, like, a gift or something for killing the Wendigo Ugh. and take home to his family so they could eat it and ride out the rest of the snowstorm. Huh. Yeah. Um, a Cree elder tells the story of a valley where the people had overhunted and there were no more animals to eat. The people turned on one another for food and they turned into Wendigos themselves. Uh. Uh, yeah, so uh, a Wendigo hunter named Anwe was dispatched by a nearby village to go and kill all the cannibals and burn their organs so that they wouldn't be able to come back to life. There's more to the story than that, but I didn't uh, copy it all down and because uh, it was long. <laughs> okay. Get, he does get some it. trickery to like get the Wendigos to like build like like their own fire, basically, so that he can kill them. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Well, so in many traditions, Wendigo, Wendigo will prey on people who exhibit greed or gluttony, especially during times of famine or hardship. Uh, they're punished by being uh, turned into Wendigos and forced to eat their loved ones. Huh. In some descriptions, whenever a Wendigo eats someone, it grows in size proportional to its meal, so it can never be full and it's kept in a, perpet- in a state of perpetual starvation. So Sad. it's like always... It can never, yeah, it's always like starving and always searching for more humans to eat. Anyway, uh, in most cultures where they appear, uh, Wendigo stories are used to emphasize the importance of community and sharing. 
Uh, when they're not preying on individuals who hoard resources in times of need, they pu- they may punish whole communities. Uh, there are many stories where a community casts an individual out or turns their back or turns their back on somebody in need, and then that person is taken over by a Wendigo, who returns to the village to take its revenge. Bad news. Yeah. Bad news. Um, the Wendigo doesn't only appear in the Native American, in the First Nations oral tradition. Uh, Jesuit missionaries in Canada during the 1600s um, had made reports of like Wendigos. In 1636, Paul Lejeune, who was like a missionary, wrote in a letter to his superiors, this devilish woman. Oh, shit. What happened there? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I touched something on my computer, but apparently... Okay, this devilish woman, or this devilish woman, added that the Windigo had eaten some Atikamagukan. These are the tribes that live north of the river that is called Three Rivers, and that he would eat a great many more of them if he were not called elsewhere. But the Achen, sort of a werewolf, would come in his place to devour them, even up to the French fort that he would slaughter the French themselves. Um, another Jesuit document from so he's he's talking just about this tale that a woman is telling him about a wendigo yeah and reporting it as fact to his uh, people uh another jesuit document from 1661 what caused it great what caused us greater concern was the intelligence that met us upon entering the lake the lake namely that the men deputed uh by our conductors for the purpose of summoning the nations to the north sea and assigning them a rendezvous where they were to await our coming had met their death the previous winter in a very strange manner Those poor men, according to the report given us, were seized with an ailment unknown to us, but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They are are afflicted with with neither lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease, which affects their imaginations and causes them a more than canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men like veritable werewolves and devour them voraciously. Without being able to appease or glut their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey, and the more greedily they, the more they eat. This ailment attacked our deputies, and as death is the sole remedy among these simple people for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the course of their madness." Mm. Yeah. So they're just cannibals. <laughs> okay. I guess. Uh, in ni- well, in 1907, an Oji Cree chief and medicine man named Jack Fiddler and his brother Joseph were arrested in Canada. Uh, Jack claimed to have killed 14 Wendigos in his lifetime. Some of them, he what? claimed, had been sent by enemy shamans to harm him or his people, and some he killed at the request of their own families after they were consumed with the desire to commit cannibalism. Ew, so he just killed a bunch of people? Yeah. Well, killed because, a bunch of cannibals. Because they're Wendigos. Uh, uh, Jack doubtful. escaped from prison and, and then committed suicide. Joseph was sentenced to life in prison. He died of consumption just bef- just like a Oof. couple days before he would have learned that he was pardoned. Oh, rough. Yeah. Um, and then like one of the most famous uh, stories, Wendigo-related stories, is okay. about a Cree man named Swift Runner. And uh, he and his family were, uh, during the winter of 1878 to 1879, uh, Swift Runner and his family were starving. Uh, his eldest son died 
and afterward he butchered and ate his wife and five remaining children. Oh. Um, uh, he left, and he, people, when they came later, um, I guess once the at the end of the winter, found at the camp his the one son buried underground, and then just found the bones of everyone else scattered around the place. Um, the fact that there was an emergency food depot 25 miles away at the Hudson Bay Company, which Swift Runner had made no attempt to reach, meant in the eyes of the authorities that this was not an act of desperate survivalism and uh, that Swift Runner was ex- executed on December 20th, 1879, uh, the first legal hanging in Alberta. He was thought by many to have been possessed by a Wendigo, and so... Uh, attacked his family and uh, people. by a Wendigo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it may be that Swift Runner was suffering from a mental, a sort of controversial mental illness called Wendigo psychosis. Okay. It's what's known as a culture-bound syndrome or folk illness, uh, a combination of psychiatric and somatic symptoms that only exists within one culture. Uh, with huh. Wendigo psychosis, victims in distress are stricken with the overwhelming urge to commit cannibalism. Yeah. So they just think they're a Wendigo. Like people who think they're wolves. Basically, yeah. Or people who think they're like possessed by demons and stuff. But that happens. Okay. I would okay. I would say that that's another example of a culture-bound illness or syndrome. Yeah, I can see culture-bound. I just like don't buy this story. What? Wendigos. I don't well, buy a lot of uh, stories about creatures. You don't have to buy it. I I know. I know. I, know. I just what don't I, buy them. Uh, what I think is really, I mean, I well, I think like the Wendigo is like a really interesting monster. Like having it is weird. Mm-hmm. I, I like. I I enjoy like I don't know the description of it as having like I don't know, uh, these big antlers and like a deer's head, but like eating people i just like the concept yeah. of eating people <laughs> well no just like a i think that uh i don't know i think that it would it'd be a really it's a good concept for a horror movie this um this monster that has is like doomed to like forever like ravenously hunt after human flesh like want yeah. to eat people that's all it wants to do and like but it is and it has to do it because it's always starving and it's the only thing it can eat. But that every time it eats, it gets bigger and is only more hungry. Scary. Yeah. The fact that they're like humans, like they were a human at one point usually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or that... that they that this creature is somehow also like demonic in some way or like mm-hmm. spiritual. Like, a, uh, I don't know. What am I looking for? Um... Uh, well, because it can possess people. Right. Mm-hmm. make them mm-hmm. think make that them. make them a wendigo and the, my thing what's interesting to me is the story about um like just being a wendigo on the inside like you don't change physically but you eat you mm-hmm. want to eat people yeah it's... that that's when I, I could buy the cultural whatever, mm-hmm. whatever culture bound syndrome culture bound syndrome that's interesting i've never heard of that yeah it's a yeah, it's Maybe a diff- I should do stories on culture-bound syndromes. Yeah, That'd be good. yeah, it seems like an interesting t- concept. That would be really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that 
I could see demonic like possession being a culture bound thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where I mean, it's just a form of psychosis that managed that manifests in like what is familiar to like your religion or culture. It reminds me of like a group panic or like a group. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, or, sure. You know how those happen. Yeah, you're part of this culture, or part of this group or religion, and mm-hmm. then you know you think about it. It's kind of it's similar. Yeah, in my opinion, I don't know. It seems mm-hmm. similar to me. Yeah. I mean, the other the other thing about the Wendigo, which I wanted to touch on, is like how, I mean, it is. I mean, it existed like for centuries in North America before like white people came to the continent, but it is like a really, I think it's a it's it's a really like spot on metaphor for like the way that Europeans uh, colonized and uh, uh, took over the continent from native peoples. The way that yeah, oh my god, cannibalized. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, cannibalized the land Wanting and became and only, yeah, became only more and more hungry, um, uh, yeah. you know, f- killing, killing all the people um, and then, you know, even further cannibalizing their culture and things. I don't know. Yeah, that's, I mean, just I like, didn't even think about yeah. that. Did you think about that yourself or read it somewhere? Uh, I, I thought about it myself before I started and I read a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's really and, interesting. I mean, I think because it originated with I mean, that culture, right? Yeah, with, with like the, um, the First Nations people of yeah. like Canada and Northern U.S. Um, and so, but I don't know. The I mean, the you know, and then uh, yeah. So they really, they really should have seen the white man coming, I guess, <laughs> or seen. <laughs> but anyway, I don't know. Yeah, you know, no, it's really... it's just like. Even after we have, you know, uh, destroyed their population and and lands, we are still like, you know, we're living off their lands, and now we're cannibalizing their culture, as I guess I'm doing right now, talking about the Wendigo and using it as content, uh, something that I don't fully understand for my <laughs> podcast, uh, or you know, just like yeah. how it it was really hard for me to find like authentic like. Um, First Nations folklore about the Wendigo. Mostly, it's just stories by like, you know, regular white people like take basing it off other stories from like normal white people and like pictures on deviant art from you know boring white people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Marvel I, comics. I didn't even know that it um, wasn't kind of like an american folklore kind of not that like it's uh-huh. like you know right oh i never realized that it was i like looked up wendigo because i didn't know what it mm-hmm. was and it said something about it being a native american folklore that's what it said on google native american folklore uh-huh. or something yeah mm-hmm. and i was like really i did not know that mm-hmm. i thought it was like a i don't know yeah like a was, yeti uh... Right. An abominable snowman. I can't say that <laughs> word. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. Okay. Uh, so that's yeah. what I have. That's cool. That's me. Well, that's all I have too. Um, Great. We're gonna be. We just interviewed. Uh, we just were interviewed by a podcast. It's gonna go up. Uh, eventually, we'll let you know. Mm-hmm. It's um called which. I'm just telling you this now, so you can go ahead and check out some of the episodes that are up now 
It's called uh, Read Between the Lines, a book podcast by Molly Southgate. Yeah. You can find it on like Spotify, all the all the places. And also um, they're on the podcast network, uh, Southgate Media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you should check that out. I did a show in Chicago with, I, I mean, we're in Chicago, uh, Chicago Theater with Molly. Mm-hmm. Um, She's great. She's adorable. She's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen very... to it. She's a very intelligent, like, young person. Yeah. I don't know. She's 12 or something? Or yeah. 13? Something like that? 12? I think no, 12. Yeah. No, it I was like... see her being like 13. Maybe, watch, she's like 9. No, <laughs> like, no, no, no. She's like, she's 12. Okay. Um, but... And she, yeah, it's called Read Between the Lines, a book podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about books with yeah. like guests. She talks about like usually a specific book, but she just interviewed the two of us about, you know, what our favorite books are. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about our podcast, kind of what kind of stuff we read for the podcast. Um, and then just about us and what our interests are in books and like yeah. literature. No, it was a lot of fun. It, it was, was really so fun. It was we'll, really uh, nice. We'll let you know when that is out, but yeah. uh, go ahead and check it out. Uh, the episodes we're not on that are out right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Go check so that those you, uh, out. They're good. Get a sense of what it's about before you listen to us. Mm-hmm. There's only a few episodes out uh, of that podcast right now. She said she has a lot of episodes that are coming up, though. So mm-hmm. definitely, like, subscribe and, like, yeah, download her um, episodes because they're really interesting. And she's going to have a lot of cool guests and um, talk about some cool books that you might be interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're not, like... Uh, she has some cool pe- i don't know she's gonna have some cool people on i know that and um i mean she had us on so uh, <laughs> so yeah we'll we, we will let you know as soon as that gets pub gets published so you can find it on all those things and southgate media southgate media group okay that's what it's called you can find it on there cool um i think that's all i have yeah i think we're i think, I think we're done here announcements that i got great cool um okay yeah well (laughs) this has been or wait i've been harry (laughs) and i'm still carly and this has been known unknowns uh okay so i have a retraction and an apology to make a few weeks ago i said um at the end of the episodes cats can have a little salami i just since come to my attention that i'm wrong the actual meme is cats can have little uh, salami Okay, say it. Cats can have little a salami. Because it's weird out there. Bye. Bye. We love you. Bye.